This is the Vegetarian Zen Podcast, episode number 110. Welcome to Vegetarian Zen, a peaceful place for vegetarians, vegans, and the veg curious to share tips for living a healthy lifestyle. Now sit back, relax, and prepare to get your veg on. Hey there, VegGeners. Welcome back to Vegetarian Zen. My name is Vicki. And this is Larissa with Samantha Baker on the chair behind me. <laughs> I saw her just make this huge leap. She's on the back of the my chair. the back of your now. chair. Well, she, she may end up on way my to, head. Way to keep her concentration there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In today's episode of the Vegetarian Zen podcast, we're going to be talking about transforming your home landscape into a productive foodscape. And I just love pictures of people's lawns when, or, you know, previously lawns turned foodscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's really cool. I love to see especially urban type settings with uh, with gardens growing. And you know what like I really that. love is um, rooftop gardens. Yes. On like buildings. Yes. I Something think about so it just cool. lightens up the whole, it just makes the whole place come alive, right? It does, right. Okay. We don't have any new ratings today. So uh, if you are so inclined, please head out to iTunes because we are caught up on our ratings. But uh, we do have a news article, right? We do. And this uh, the article is uh, General Mills announces cage-free egg policy. And I'm going to start out by saying that normally, I mean, we, we don't use General Mills products. We haven't for a couple years. And the reason that we don't, well, two reasons mainly, is uh, first of all, they General Mills has repeatedly given money to anti-GMO labeling uh, legislation. And we don't, we don't agree with that. So we stopped you. That's the main reason we stopped using their products. Secondary to that, though, is that um, a lot of the most of the products that they produce are uh, the brands that they produce, we wouldn't use anyway. I mean, they're really highly processed stuff. And yeah, we do still use processed foods, but we've found healthier, um, organic options instead of like the Betty Crocker and Pillsbury and Progresso soup and things like that. So we just we just don't use those anymore. Uh, That said, I I still wanted to, I thought this was important to share because I think it's a good thing to give credit for positive changes that, that big companies like this are making. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, they, if they're slowly coming around on some of this stuff, I think it is definitely important to call that out. Right, right. And then, uh, so basically what this article is saying is that General Mills has announced that its U.S. operations will be adopting cage-free egg policies. So that means that in their brands and in the products that these brands make, they'll be using cage-free eggs. And I think it's important to mention that uh, still, you know, cage-free doesn't necessarily mean cruelty-free because they're still being farmed. So they're not in the tiny little cages, but they're still being farmed. They probably don't have access to grass and, you know, they're probably still on concrete. So you have to take that into consideration uh, whether you want to use that or not. That's something I didn't realize mm-hmm. um, for a while that just because they like to put cage-free on there. So you're thinking of these, oh, these little chickens, you know, just out <laughs> in, the in the pasture. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's cruelty-free. Right, exactly. Uh, this uh, reason, the reason that they've did, done this is based on something that has been going on in the UK. It's called the Five Freedoms of Animal Welfare. And 
I think that it's a good thing for U.S. companies to emulate things that are going on in European countries and other parts of the world because in most cases, other countries are way far ahead of us on on things like animal rights and GMO, you know, not using GMOs and, and using organic ingredients. And so I think that we can learn a lot from that. And like I always say, we vote with our dollars. So, you know, nothing's really going to change if people keep putting their money towards these types of things. I mean, I think it's important that we support like companies that are open about GMO labeling, Mm -hmm. ideally those that don't use GMOs, uh, you know, and, and this type, just very transparent. I think it's important that we put our dollars toward those companies because that's when things will start to change. Exactly. And then, you know, last month in June of 2015, General Mills cereals announced that they would no longer be using artificial colors and flavors. So they said that they would be going to vegetable and fruit based flavorings as opposed to the artificial stuff, which, which is a good thing. It is. And again, because that's important to people, you know, Mm -hmm. that starts to, when that starts to impact the, their bottom line, that's when they start to change. Right. And it doesn't negate the fact that these kids cereals that are brightly colored are uh, still packed with sugar. That doesn't, that doesn't change that. But again, it's one small step. So we'll see what happens next. All right. Are we ready to move into the main topic? Let's do it. Okay. All right. So let's talk about grass first and we don't mean pot we mean <laughs> grass on your in your uh, why yard. do i get the feeling there were several folks out there that went oh i oh, know right <laughs> turning it off let's find the pot podcast uh, no okay so turf grass uh, or your lawn basically now covers 1.9 percent of the land in the continental united states 1.9 percent and you know you think 1.9 that's not a lot that's a lot You know, when you consider that, you know, if you consider, okay, there's lawns and then a lot of the land is covered by roadways, right, or actual structures. So 1.9 is kind of a lot. When you think about how big the U.S. is, that is a lot. Right, yeah. 1.9 of the U.S. Right. And then, you know, grass does a good thing. It uh, removes some carbon dioxide because it's a plant. It removes some carbon dioxide from the atmosphere uh, through photosynthesis. But there are a lot more environmental negatives to having a grass lawn that kind of cancel out that one positive thing. Okay, so one of those things would be chemical fertilizers, which we stopped using quite a while ago. Mm -hmm. But even before we became vegetarians and really started studying more of our health and all that. But chemical fertilizers can emit nitrous oxide, which is one of the major greenhouse gases that's responsible for ozone depletion. So, you know, that's one thing. The other thing is gas mowers. They emit powerful pollutants. Now, I will say we do have a gardener or landscaper who comes over and he does have a gas mower. Um, you know, I tried to use one of those. <laughs> <laughs> you remember Leave that? The beaver? The beave. Yeah, we called it the beef. It was one of those, uh, it didn't run on anything. It was just a like a barrel type. Yeah, it was the one that you push. And we got, the, that was my bright idea when we first. Because <laughs> I was first, the one doing the lawn. <laughs> when we first got this house, I said, well, let's get it. It's, you know, it's not that expensive. We'll save money on, on gas. We won't be putting an oil. We won't be putting bad stuff into the air. Which you know, sounded great. And, right. And I was like, and it's got, it, it can't be hard to push. Holy cow. That thing was a beast to push. I mean, if the grass is more than like a millimeter high, 
high. It's like pushing that thing was like trying to move a piano, you know, when you're a mouse. I mean, it was it was crazy. It, I think that's how the beginning of my back problem started. Quite hey. <laughs> and I love how you say it was a beast. I was the one that was Well, I tried it and then I'm like, no way. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, our, our, our guy Gustavo does use a, a, you know, gas, but we don't, he doesn't come even in the summer. He doesn't come every week. Um, we just call him. I call him on an as needed basis. So when it gets long enough, then I'll call him. And, you know, so we try to minimize that as well. And then there's electric mowers, mm-hmm. right? Now, I think those are probably a little bit better, but they do use energy as well. Right. Not to mention, I'd be terrified that I would run over the power cord. <laughs> I mean, that would totally be something I would do. Do that with a vacuum. Yeah. Like you'd be inside, I'd be out mowing. And then all of a sudden, like all the power in the house would go out and you'd, <laughs> find, like this, you'd find like this person shaped uh, <laughs> carbon stain on our yard and like... I'm completely gone. So kind of like the cat in Christmas vacation. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. So yeah, that wouldn't be a good idea for me. Uh, and then the other thing that's, that's bad about having uh, your property full of grass is that grass takes a lot of water to maintain, you know, unless it's all brown and crispy and nobody wants a brown and crispy lawn, right? Well, not to mention we'd actually get in trouble here for it. We right. would get in trouble, and it's a fire. It, it's a fire hazard. Yeah, you know. I, I say in trouble with our homeowners association. Yes. But yeah. uh, okay, so um, I'm going to take this next point because this is something that actually I used to make the mistake of calling this. <laughs> so over the past decade, we've heard a lot about zeroscaping, mm-hmm. not zeroscaping. <laughs> I used to think it was zeroscaping, and I know a lot of people pronounce it that mm-hmm. way. But essentially, what that is is it uses less plants. Uh, I'm sorry, it uses plants that need less water. Mm-hmm. So they reduce they thereby it reduces eliminating the need for supplemental water and night and irrigation and things like that. Now we have like some plant boxes up in our up around our porch, mm-hmm. and those are really those don't take a lot of water at all no i we have to put i have to put i just discovered this the hard way i have to put succulents in those boxes on the front porch because our house is up on a hill and it faces due west and our front door is metal and in the afternoons you can't touch the front door it will buckle it gets i mean so it hot. looks yeah. like it's buckling it that's does. how hot it gets here this is that yeah. south texas sun yeah so i tried regular flowers like you know petunias and marigolds and things uh-uh the only thing that will survive in those boxes is succulent so so that's a good thing but yeah so zero escaping is is a good step towards water conservation but it still leaves leaves you with just a yard full of ornamental plants that really don't serve any other useful purpose so what's the next logical step larissa well vicky <laughs> that would be foodscaping what is foodscaping you ask is exactly what it sounds like. It's landscaping using edible plants. Ta-da! All right, so are we done here? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about some reasons to consider foodscaping. Okay, well, the first thing I can think of is that you're going to know where your food is coming from, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're the one, you are the farmer. Right, exactly. So you have control over the types of seeds or plants that you use. So you can get, you know, organic plants, you can get non-GMO seeds, whatever you, you control it, you buy those. Uh, And then the second type, the second thing under that is that you choose the type of fertilizer and the type of pest control methods that you use. So you know, if you buy something at uh, the grocery store, unless you're buying organic, you know, you, you know you're getting stuff that's been sprayed with pesticides and chemical fertilizers. Unless it specifically says organic, 
And you can't get organic everywhere yet. Right. And I was going to mention, even if you go to a farmer's market, you don't know what they're mm-hmm. using as fertilizer. Yeah, and pest unless control. you specifically ask. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So uh, you get to you get to choose that. And I think that's a big plus for um, growing your own things. All right. What's reason number two? Well, reason number two is that you can reduce your carbon footprint. Now, we talked in the la- uh, two episodes ago in 108, uh, when we talked about sustainable travel, we talked about your carbon footprint. So basically, your carbon footprint is how much you're impacting the the, the atmosphere and the environment, right? So you want a smaller footprint. Exactly. You want smaller that number to be lower. Yes. You want tiny, tiny carbon shoes. And... <laughs> And uh, okay, so baby shoes, baby shoes. When uh, when you talk about foodscaping, reducing your carbon footprint on an individual basis, uh, growing your own fresh produce will probably mean you'll be making less trips to the store because, you know, you can make one trip to the store every two weeks just to stock up on, you know, pantry items and, and staples and things like that. Whereas if you if you have to buy produce too, you're going to have to go more often because it has a less uh, it doesn't stay fresh. Here we have a friend who does a lot of growing her own squash in particular. Mm-hmm. We haven't had to buy squash at the store no, in a for long a very time. long time. We have a lot of squash, <laughs> a lot of squash. Thank you, Sarah. Yes. Um, but uh, so that's on an individual basis. But if foodscaping were a widespread practice, so if a lot more people were doing this than uh, large scale farming, which, you know, includes not just the growing, but also processing. So harvesting uh, and, you know, the, the equipment that's used to harvest and then also transport to stores. So large scale farming results in a lot of greenhouse gas emissions. So if more people were growing their own locally, you know, in their backyard, the dependence on large scale farming would would really decrease. So instead of going, you know, instead of your your squash having to travel 2,000 miles to get from, you know, some farm in California to you in Virginia or whatever, um, it would travel 20 feet, <laughs> yeah. you know, from your backyard to your your kitchen. All right. Reason number three is to reduce your grocery bill. So, you know, the thing is, we, we've spent a lot of money ourselves on ornamental flowers as larissa was saying we had petunias and we had other types of flowers around they die and what well, they die and while they're beautiful to look at for the three days that they last <laughs> us here in texas uh they don't really produce anything right mm-hmm. they're just kind of uh you know they're great to look at beautiful mm-hmm. but they don't really have any um they're they're not edible plants mm-hmm. So uh, so it can actually reduce your grocery bill when you're spending kind of the same amount of money or close to anyways, the same amount of money on plants that are actually going to produce something for you. Right. Right? Exactly. So you have an example. Right. So my example, let's do some, let's do some uh, word problems. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. Math. Oh, my God. <laughs> Math okay. at 530. On a Saturday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So. Let's say you have a tomato plant, and that tomato plant yields you 20 pounds of fruit, okay? 20 pounds of tomatoes. And it costs you $10 to buy that plant, whether it's the seeds, the plant, okay? So $10 to buy it and then maintain it. So we're talking 
the plant or the seeds, the fertilizer, the, whatever fertilizer you use, you know, if, if you have to buy any um, pest control stuff, and we're talking natural, of course, right, natural. Um, so $10 to, to buy and maintain. To buy organic tomatoes locally, you'll probably spend around $3 a pound, okay? So if you bought the same amount of fruit that you would get from that one plant, 20 pounds, you'd be paying $60 for tomatoes over the life of that plant, you know, that you would have to buy your tomatoes at the store. But you only paid, you still only paid $10 to I was going to say, plant. and how much did Larissa pay? <laughs> how much should we save? We saved 50 bucks, friends. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, that, you know, and that's just a very simplified example. I mean, that's, I just kind of pulled stuff out of the air. and it, But just to show you that it does make a difference. Well, and that people are always, one of the reasons that people give for not eating healthier or not doing some more of this stuff on their own is, well, it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. But really, it's it's not. It can actually save you money in some instances. Right. Not to mention you have so many other benefits from growing things at home. I mean, you're, you're getting out and you're exercising when you're tending your garden. You're getting some vitamin D from the sun. You're getting, uh, you know... It's very relaxing. It is. It's therapeutic Even for just me. watering like the plants to, to me. I just really like it. Right. So, I mean, there are other I benefits. I shouldn't have said that. Now I just volunteered to water them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, what about number, number four? four? Reduce mowing. Hmm. So less pollutants released into the air or, or less electricity used if you are foodscaping right. versus lawn. Versus lawn, exactly. Uh, all right, reason number five is just it's a really simple one. A lot of edible plants can be really pretty. You know, when you get blossoms on, on your squash or your, uh, the little yellow blossoms that you get on cucumbers, they're pretty. You know, the cucumbers have big, broad, um, bright green leaves. They're pretty. I like them. I will say right now, though, our avocado plant is kind of awkward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in the hobbledyhoyhood of its existence. It's on our fireplace mantle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really so. surprised we grew this thing. Though. I am too. You it actually gonna... has four leaves on it now. I was shocked. That's crazy. So now I have to figure out what. Yeah. The heck so to do now with we it. just have to wait five years for avocados. <laughs> All right. Well, we can ha- in the meantime, once it gets sturdy enough, we can hang some avocados on it and then pull them off. Okay. Okay. So, all right. What about uh let's see, reason number 6. So, you can you can actually mix. It you don't have to it again with here, here's the theme of our vegetarians and it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can mix ornamentals and edible plants for aesthetic reasons, but also for the benefit of your crops. So there are some flowers or and other plants that are helpful to food plants for disease control and pest control. So, um, and we'll talk about, uh, I've got some tips down below that we'll talk about. You're going to talk about your marigolds and that uh-huh. kind of thing? Okay, cool. All right, so what are some options then? Let's look at options for doing this foodscaping thing. All right, sir. First, you can find a local service. So there are some companies out there that will help you do this. So you don't have to start from ground zero. Right, right. Unless you're brave, um, brave and foolish like me. But <laughs> no, I mean, if you're, if you're, you're a good a gardener. optimist. I am. Billy Mumphrey. <laughs> Seinfeld reference, if anyone's, if anyone knows that. Um, bonus points. But uh, yeah, so for example, there is a, this is really cool, and I'll have all the links to their, their site and stuff in the show notes, but there's a place in Arizona called Farmyard, 
And it was founded, it's a company that was founded in 2009 by two sisters, uh, Rebecca and Sarah Kidwell. And basically what they do is they're farmers who make house calls. It's such a cool cool thing. It is such a cool thing. They offer, and their services are really comprehensive. So they offer everything from consulting about uh, how to select a site for your, your foodscape you know, plans uh, for soil testing, irrigation layout, plant selection, um, pest control. So their consulting is, and it's $100 for the first hour and $75 for each additional hour, which I think is actually pretty reasonable. That is, and especially if you think about it, if you try to just venture out on your own, mm-hmm. what you can waste, yeah. right? By just kind of doing this without right. having somebody who knows what they're talking about help instruct you. Right. So besides the consulting, they um, will also, if, you know, they come out and they do all this planning for you, they can also install it. They can implement the design that they create, you know, um, then they also offer maintenance. So if you don't want, if you just want to eat the stuff, but you don't want to take care of it, they offer weekly, biweekly and monthly maintenance plans. I could so see us doing something like this. Yeah, right. So They're in California, though, right? They're in Arizona. Oh, Arizona. Yeah. So they do, you know, their their maintenance includes um, weeding, pruning, fertilizing, pest control, harvesting, you know, any and or all of those. All right. And then um, they also do, this is funny, edible school schoolyards. Uh, it's not planting and eating children. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's actually doing, helping schools to set up gardens. And what a great way to educate kids too, right? Mm-hmm. Gets them probably getting excited about gardening and eating fresh fruits. Yes. I'm sorry, vegetables. Yeah, and I know in the Northside School District here, there are several schools that actually have gardens now. Nice. And as really I mentioned cool. before, even my company has a garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. And then they also, if you're so inclined, they will help you with uh, chickens, um, you know, learning how to take care of chickens. And they'll also build your coops for you if you want. And then they will teach you how to compost. Somehow I have managed to keep us away from that for some reason for the comp- no the compost thing oh. right now and chickens I would totally take I don't chickens I too. want to compost so don't get me wrong I, I am totally but it's one of those things where well first of all I don't think our homeowners association would I don't think they would, would have to know about it if it was in the backyard quite honestly <laughs> so you. don't use that as an excuse <laughs> sorry I have all the best intentions but we'll contribute to somebody's composting how's that <laughs> hey when I, just, I went and helped Robert at uh, I just have a feeling it's going to be like that barrel mower again. <laughs> Hey, hey! Well, I turned, I, I turned, I piled horse poop on on Robert's compost pile and turned it for him. Well, Does that's that count? What I mean. That's what I mean. See, so we can contribute to his compost pile. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's our friend Robert Trejo. He uh, he has a lot of animals out at his place, and he does. Yeah, so I went out and helped him. Uh, all right, so. Then farmland also has a CSA program. Uh, So it's community supported agriculture where they have the CSA baskets. Uh, They have their own farms in Phoenix and Scottsdale. And what they grow there, they put in these baskets and and sell. So pretty cool. All right. So there's that option of having a service or, as we kind of mentioned, there's a DIY. So if you're an experienced gardener or you're feeling adventurous – you can just learn more about gardening, right? Mm-hmm. So let's share some tips. Okay. So if you're going to do this, um, 
best of luck to you. Let me know how it goes. Godspeed, and then friend. come and teach me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So first of all, you really want to learn what grows well in your area. You know, every region is different. So there's different climates, there's different soil types, there, you know, weather is different. You, you want to make sure that you understand what you can grow because you don't want to you know, go out and buy plants or seeds and invest in things that are just going to die if you put them in your soil. That's not, that's not very good. You're just going to be wasting money. Exactly. So to this end, you can take classes from a local nursery or an agricultural extension service. We're very fortunate here in that we have a branch of Texas A&M in San Antonio now. And, you know, they have a great ag extension um, service that will do a lot of that stuff to help you if you just ask. All right, so the next step is uh, to find out your soil type, and you can test it yourself, or you can take a sample to you know a nursery or an ag extension service and have some and pay someone to do it. Do you know how hard it is to test it yourself? I don't know. It's really not that hard. Really? Um, is, it, is it like now, a kit I mean, if or you something? want, you can get kits, or you can also do it. Now, it depends on how precise you need to be. If you're just doing something like checking the um, acidity or alkalinity of your soil, you can do that very easily with. Uh, baking soda and a vinegar I, I don't know exactly the test but i'll link to it in uh in the show notes okay but you can also buy kits or you can take a sample and have it tested if you need a more comprehensive breakdown of exactly what's in your soil yeah i think though that if you do live in an urban area and you're going to be planting directly into the ground you will want to make sure you test because you could have lead and other contaminants mm -hmm. in your area so you want to make sure remember that disturbing sign we saw yesterday on the street i just popped into my head it's kind of related but we were driving to the movies and we saw this like blinking sign that said boil oh. water temporarily and we're like what Does yeah and then it had the it was one of those you know those blinking road signs yeah. that you know where it says it'll say right lane close and then it have an arrow well it said it said temp boil water and then it had the phone number for saws which is san antonio water system so i so called it and it just said our offices are closed so i'm like oh Okay. okay, well, I guess it's not that important. So if we all die, it's your fault. <laughs> well, the point is, you do, you know, yeah. when you live in the city, you never know what can be in the ground. So you want to make sure that if you're going to be planting directly in the ground for food, you're going to be planting food that you're going to eat, then you want to make sure that you're testing that. Right, right. All right. So don't be afraid to ask seasoned gardeners for advice. So I would say like Sarah, our friend Sarah, mm -hmm. who plants, uh, she just lives across the highway from us, but she's, and she's got a good amount of land out there. So she's planted and given us a ton of stuff, primarily squash, some tomatoes, mm -hmm. also those eight ball squash. I've never had those eight yeah. ball squash before. You did a really awesome stuffed squash with Thank that. You. Remember with, yeah. I think it had quinoa in it or something. Mm -hmm. Um, so ask. There are a lot of good gardening forums online now. It's mm -hmm. great what you can find online. People just wanting to share information. As Larissa said, ag extension services or nurseries are will share information with you. And then far <coughs> farmers at farmers markets. They are also they love talking to people about this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, just uh, you know, one thing with that is um, <coughs> just I always tend to try to remember that they're busy earning a living. So I try to if I have a question, I'm not going to bombard you know one of these. Yeah, uh, you don't want to pull out your blueprints. with a, a ton of questions. You know, if I have just a quick question about, you know, like, hey, um, uh, my tomato plant looks like this. You know, why? Do you know why? Or, or it, is there a quick solution? I might say that. But 
not if they're busy and not, you know, because they're they're there to earn a living. So I don't want to interrupt that. Yeah, but I've found that they like to talk. I mean, oh, they'll, yeah. they, they're very proud of their work. Oh, absolutely. So if they're not like swamped with people, mm-hmm. like you said, they, they're very yep. happy to share. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, and they're a great resource. All right. So let's start with some ideas. So the first one is to replace grass with clover. Uh, white clover is a good variety. It grows to only six inches. It's... Uh, and what it does is it fixes nitrogen in the soil. So that will increase your soil fertility, which is good for, you know, other plants that you have around it. Clover uh, is flower. The clover flowers are food for bees. And of course, you know, you need, I know you don't care for bees, but bees are essential for pollinating uh, your, your plants. So if you're going to be growing food, you need bees or you're going to have to hand pollinate. And I can tell you, that's what happened to that cucumber that I have out there is that we don't have bees. And that's why, remember I showed you the funky looking cucumbers? Yes. Yeah, that's why. Okay, but let me just clarify. It's not that I don't like bees. Bees don't like me. <laughs> I keep telling you, if you just leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. That's not true, but that's a different, that's a, di- that's okay. a different story. All right. So <laughs> clover is also nutritious. So a lot of people will use clover in juicing. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. And, and then, of course, the big benefit of clover here is if you plant clover, you don't have to mow. Hmm. You know, it doesn't grow. It's not going to grow six feet tall. It'll grow six inches tall. Um, and, uh, you know, you can prune it back, but you don't have you won't have to get a mower out there and mow down your clover. You know, so it's a it's a good ground cover alternative to to lawn. Okay, another idea is to mix in flowers that encourage pollinators like bees and butterflies, which bees, I have nothing personal against bees. They have something They have something to grind with me. They have an axe no, to grind with me. I don't think so. <laughs> but those flowers could be like sunflowers or geraniums. Mm-hmm. And there are other varieties too. Those are just a couple of examples. Um, and then also flowers that repel pests. And this is what you mentioned, the marigolds earlier. Marigolds, uh, petunias will help repel certain pests in your garden. And you can, there are lots of good lists online of companion plant. It's called companion planting. So companion planting encompasses uh, different ornamentals that you can plant with uh, food plants to, to help them along. Also, there are certain edible plants, crops that you can plant near each other to, to help them grow. But there are also some that you should not plant near each other. So that's something that you should consider when you're designing and laying out your your garden. All right. And then for the front lawn, using shrubby herbs in place of ornamental shrubs. And so when we moved in, we already had the shrubs planted there. But that's really cool. When I read this, I was like, that would be really cool to have like rosemary, Mm -hmm. basil, lavender, those kind of uh, shrubby herb plants out there instead of the ornamental shrubs. Yeah, I would love to replace all of that... um, uh, those box ivies are they're not not ivy no uh, they're whatever um, they're whatever. just like generic shrubs yeah <laughs> i'd love to replace those with rosemary they're pretty and they have little berries but i mean yeah. nothing we can eat no so. the birds eat them yeah but that's it um all right and then some edibles can grow with less sun so you can even use the shadier parts of your yard so it's not that you know everything every plant that that every crop needs full sun that's not true there are lots of, uh, especially herbs, there are a lot of herbs that can do like part sun, part shade, um, you know, or even some that are just very little sun and mostly shade. So you can utilize those areas as well. 
All right. I think that does it for our main topic. But really quick, let's just go through those reasons again to consider a foodscaping. So reason number one was you'll know where your food is coming from. Mm -hmm. So uh, number two would be to help reduce your carbon footprint. Reason three is to reduce your grocery bill. All right. Reason number four, continuing the reducing streak, is to reduce mowing. Reason number five is edible plants can be very pretty. Pretty. And then uh, reason number six is that you can... It doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can mix uh, edibles and ornamentals to benefit the crops and also to to kind of balance out, you know, what you're what you're doing in your yard. Okay, let's move into our recipe of the week. All right. Well, here's the thing. I've been starting to actually enjoy creating these more blog post type recipe uh, links that feature more than one recipe. So. What I did this week is I, I'm putting together a a post of recipes featuring July fruits and vegetables. So things that are being grown in the different regions in the United States in the month of July. Oh, very cool. Right. So, so what's in season in different areas yes, of the United exactly. States? Okay. Yeah. So in the Northeast, there are, you know, things like corn are in season in July. Corn is, you know, earlier down here, of course, but corn. Um, and then down here, we've, we well, we're in the end of peaches, but uh, we've got, uh, you know, summer squash and things like that. So I'm just going to go out there and find a whole bunch of July stuff. And I'll, I'll uh, be asking in the peas and carrots too and, and on our Facebook. So very cool. See what we come up with. Okay, and now moving into the quote of the week. The quote this week comes from Michael Pollan, and he said, Alon is nature under totalitarian rule. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I was like, I was looking for a quote. I found that. I was like, oh, it's just perfect. <laughs> it's so simple. You know, I mean, let's get rid of our lawns, people. Let's just do it. <laughs> even just a little, even just slowly. Yeah. Yeah, just do a little patch at a time. All right, so what are we, what are we asking the folks to do this week? All right, so let's... Uh, Let's find out. Do you foodscape? And it doesn't have to mean that your entire yard is nothing but, you know, edible plants, garden stuff. I mean, do you have a garden at all? Do you have things planted on trellises on your fence? You know, what kind of things are you growing? That reminds me. That reminds me. Just when you said that, it reminded me of that game. What was that game that was really popular where everybody was like gardening and... uh, Farmville? Farmville. (laughs) Are you a real-life yeah. Farmville person? <laughs> Let us know. Yeah, so you can go to the show notes for uh, episode 110 and uh, scroll down to the bottom. You'll see the question, and if you click on that, it'll take you right to the comments, and we would love to hear your foodscaping adventures. You know, I also wanted to mention that even if you're just slowly starting to grow things and maybe your lawn or your your soil around your house isn't very conducive to growing, we have also, we use uh, these garden boxes from, I think it's Gronomics. Gronomics. They mm-hmm. are, there's a link to them in our store. We've had actually several of our followers have bought them as well. Very good boxes. How long have we had these boxes? Oh up? gosh, this is our third season with these two boxes that I have. Um, they're the ones that I have are the I think it's twenty four by forty eight by I don't know the depth thirty inches I think and they're up on legs. They're very pretty, even in themselves, and very easy to assemble. Larissa did it mm-hmm. by herself in one after, not even an afternoon. I want to say like you it know, was it was like an hour. Yeah, like an hour. I wrote a blog post on it, and I'll link to it. Yeah. So uh, if you're just looking to start slowly getting into it, that is one option to look at. We have herbs and I think you're growing lettuce. Is that still happening? 
it still happened. I had to cut it way back because it got kind of leggy, but but there was lettuce in there and and uh, lots of herbs. So okay, awesome. Yeah, so they do really well. So you will find a link to that also in our show notes. Mm-hmm. I think that does it for this episode. All right, let's turn the AC back on. It's hot. Yeah, in here. It is hot, and let's go grill. Let's go okay. grill some veggies. Sweet. Peace out. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Vegetarian Zen. We've created a free resource for you to show you five ways to sneak more fruits and veggies into your diet. You can download it right now by visiting vegetarianzen.com. Until next time, wishing you a happy body and a healthy mind. 